Right, so please follow me as I read from Revelation chapter 19, starting at verse 6. Verse 6. And John's writing to this church. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for all that you do for us through your Son. Thank you for all the spiritual blessings we have in him. But help us now, Father, as we come to this passage, to listen and to hear what your word has to say to our hearts. That you, Holy Spirit, would do a great work in our hearts to, to help us to understand the scriptures and to know you better. But also to apply what we hear. To, to be doers of your word. So Father, we just want to thank you. Thank you again that each one of us can be here this morning. Thank you that, that through Jesus Christ we know you, that he is the way and the truth and life. No one comes to you, Father, but through him. And we can now worship you in spirit and truth. Thank you that our worship and our singing and our praying and our preaching doesn't fall on deaf ears. Father, we just want to thank you that you are alive, that your son is alive and he reigns forever. And we can rejoice in this fact. And that one day he will return. And I pray that the scripture that Mark read, that we would eagerly await him. That we would be about hungering and thirsting after righteousness. So that we can honour you in everything we do. But thank you now, Father, for this passage. Thank you for your word. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I want to do, sorry, last Sunday I mentioned the author of the book as... Uh, Philip Riken, but it's actually Richard Phillips, sorry, it's Richard Phillips. Philip Riken is a co-author of the book of Revelation, of the um, commentary, so it's actually Richard Phillips, so hopefully he hasn't listened to this, <laughs> so give him the credit, and um, he is the author of that commentary, Richard Phillips. But it's good that we can be back here this morning and listen to our second part of this passage from Revelation chapter 19 verses 6 to 10 because I want to continue to encourage us sometimes God saves us what must I do can I just carry on living as I please can I do as I please what must I do obviously when God saves us you should find a church sit under the pastor's teaching and preaching so that you can be equipped to go out there and to honor and glorify God so that you can be ready for his return. And so this morning I just want to continue to encourage us 
that there is going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb when Christ returns. And Jesus is going to return. It says that in Revelation 1.7, Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those, of that, even those who pierced Him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, Amen. So Jesus is going to return. But the question is, when He returns, will we be part of that marriage supper of the Lamb? Will we have that invitation to be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb? So I want to encourage us that when God saves us, we should be going about cultivating our character and serving God out there in many ways that we can. Loving God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and then loving our neighbour as ourselves. God hasn't saved us for us to do as we please. And yeah, He's given us a lovely book, the book of Revelation, which I will preach sometime, maybe towards the end of the year, I will start the, the preaching on this book. But in the meantime, this beautiful quote says, One of the main goals of the book of Revelation Therefore, is to exhort believers to remain faithful to Christ in spite of present sufferings and in spite of the temptation to engage in idolatry represented by compromise with the world system. Because this faithfulness will eventually be rewarded in the heavenly kingdom. And our reward is this invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. When Jesus returns, we will spend eternity with Him. And hopefully we will have the invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. To spend eternal salvation with Him. To enter into eternal blessings with God our Father through Jesus. To be with Jesus Christ eternally. Holy, blessed, with everlasting fellowship. And that's something we should rejoice in. We should, we should shout, Hallelujah! Can't wait for that day. And I think what Mark says, the more you grow as a Christian and you get older, yes, you, 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 you should start hating the things of the world and start loving the things of God and His Word. And you should be rejoicing in the fact that He's coming soon. Because this world does knock us for a six now and then. But will we be invited to the marriage supper? We know that when someone gets married, we get an invitation to the marriage. We can't just arrive. You get invited to the ceremony and you get invited to, the, to the, the wedding feast or banquet. We can't just pitch up and invite ourselves to this wonderful occasion and, and, and enjoy the celebration of the, of the wedding. You're invited. And if you have that invitation, you're going to go along and you're going to enjoy and celebrate in that joyous occasion and I love it what John writes he said blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb blessed happy this fact is true that Jesus is coming and this gives us purpose to live the Christian life to walk humbly obediently and faithfully with our God as we await this marriage supper of the Lamb 
But the big question is, how do we know if we are invited to this marriage supper of the Lamb? How do we know? Because we are commanded in the Scriptures to hold fast to God's Word and uphold our testimony to Jesus to the end. We're supposed to hold fast to the Gospel of grace, to the Gospel of truth, and not waver and become shipwrecked. Or think we've prayed a prayer and we can carry on living our own life and do as we please. No, there is a time when Jesus is going to return and we're going to all rejoice in this marriage supper of the Lamb. But there is an invitation. So before we look at our second truth, to encourage you from this lovely passage, Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 10, to know that we are invited, or it lets us know that we are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I'm just going to recap briefly on our second, on our first truth. And our first truth we saw in verse 8 of chapter 19 of Revelation. The first truth comes from, it was granted her to clothe herself. And it was granted, meaning God has given us something and therefore we are wearing something. And to know that we are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's our salvation. God has saved us and through our salvation we get given Jesus' righteousness. We are clothed in His righteousness. And we can rejoice in the fact that we are secure and if we live an obedient life, a godly life, a faithful life, until Jesus returns, it means we will be ready and we will be invited to this marriage supper. What's happening in, in, in this passage is that in verses 1 to 5, there's been righteous judgment. Chapter 19, verse 1 says, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for His judgments are true and just, for He has judged the great prostitute. That's, that's basically Babylon, which points to the world. And this marriage supper, actually it's only going to take place when we get to Revelation chapter 21 verse 9. It says, then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So once the, the two beasts, the beasts that came out the sea and the beasts that came out the earth and, and, and the world and then the dragon or Satan and his followers, once they all conquered, then comes the kingdom, then comes the wedding feast. Are we waiting eagerly for the appearing of Jesus? And the beautiful thing is, yeah, where all this, this judgment and, and it looks like chaos, every, the, the, the beast has been judged, and, and then, then, then the, the world has been judged. In the middle, verses 6 to 10, we have this encouragement and reminder that the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. And let us rejoice and exult in this. Because when God reigns, when He eventually comes to reign, 
And we know he's reigning, but there's a time when he's going to take the throne in the new heavens and new earth. And we're going to reign with him eternally. In one sense, this is now not yet. There is a time when this is exactly going to happen. And this should encourage us and, 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 and help us to, to endure our walk with God in this perverse world. The word her in verse 8. It was granted her to clothe herself. John is talking about the church. And the church is made up of Christians. We are the church. And we belong to the beloved bride. We are the beloved bride, the church. We belong to the bridegroom, Christ. And, and He's going to come for His bride, the church. For this marriage supper of the Lamb. And because of our salvation, we will receive this invitation. And we are clothed in Jesus' righteousness. We are the pure bride in fine linen, bright and pure, when we received and were saved at salvation. We received this fine linen, this righteousness, this fine linen, bright and pure symbolizes righteous deeds. And that's what we want to look at at our second point is the righteous deeds. One thing, you, if you want to, you can go back to last week's Sunday and you can listen to this first truth to know that we are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb is our salvation. It's fleshed out more. You're welcome to go and listen to that and hear and listen in more detail. And the beautiful thing is, it's all Christ's works. There's nothing we could do. We didn't, he earned our salvation for us. There's nothing we can do. No good works. Nothing. No merit. Because we are sinful. We are sinners. Even as sinners, our good works is filthy rags. Our salvation is earned for us by Christ Jesus and we received His righteousness. So at our salvation, what should follow our salvation is righteous deeds. So we're not saved to be idle. We are saved to bear fruit for the glory of God. Someone said we are justified by faith alone, but the faith that justifies us is not alone because works follow it and we know that it's not our good works that save us it's our good works follow us and when Mark and I were leaving the other last Sunday he mentioned that all that work is done for us by Christ he's earned our salvation he's the one that basically died on the cross it was his works and we now go and reflect Jesus' works in this world. It's all done for us. We just keep on believing and believing as we walk with God. But let's look at our second truth. This is such an important truth. And our second truth to know that we are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb is our righteous deeds. And we see that in verse, the second half of verse 8. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. And for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. 
So we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And from his righteousness should, from his righteousness that he imputes to us, that he gives to us, should flow righteous deeds. The righteous man died for the unrighteous man to bring us to our Father so we can do good works. I think it was uh, Lloyd Jones said this. In the matter of our righteousness and justification, we can never say too often that we do nothing. We can do nothing. It is entirely the work of Christ. But once we are saved and given this new life, then the progressive work of sanctification does not call for passivity. And we are exhorted to activity. So, once we saved, good works follow. Good works for the glory of God. Righteous deeds will follow. But how are we prepared for those righteous deeds? Well, there's a, a word called sanctification. Sanctification is God's work in us. In which we also are active for Christ. God works in us and we work Him out to the world and reflect His glory and love. But sanctification is a slow process. It's progressive. It's a progressive change in our hearts. If we're reading God's Word and we're studying the Scriptures, and God's Word sanctifies us, it transforms us more and more into Christ-likeness. So that we can go out there and honour God through our righteous deeds. Because a sanctified life leads to righteous deeds which bears fruit for the glory of God. And the beautiful thing is, when you read at the end of verse 7, and his bride has made herself ready. Now let's think about it. When, when Mornay will know from doing wedding um, photography and wedding um, photographs, that when there's a wedding, bridegroom will go off and get ready, and the bride gets ready. She'll spend a lot of money on clothes, on the wedding dress. She'll probably spend a lot of money on makeup, perfume. She'll make herself look nice. And she'll probably maybe go on diet and exercise so that wedding dress can look slim and she can be ready and look nice. So that when she meets the bridegroom at the altar, there's smiles. Think about it, if the bride doesn't get ready and she arrives at that altar, he might leave her at the altar. And that's the same thing with, with Jesus. Are we making ourselves ready for Him? Because the possibility He might leave us outside for that invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We have to. We have to. The, the, actually, the word ready. And His bride has made herself ready. There's a responsibility. It's the responsibility of the bride to make herself ready for the bridegroom. It's our responsibility to make ourselves ready for the return of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ. There's no passivity. There's no being passive and, and sitting around. And as Christians, as the church, the bride of Christ, we have a responsibility to, to make ourselves ready. 
That's why when God saves us, He pours out His love into us through the work of the Holy Spirit, who lives in us. Why does the Holy Spirit live in us? Because now He can teach us to stop loving ourselves and start loving the things of God. Like loving Him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And then love our neighbor as ourselves. So that we can start working on a change, a sanctification in our hearts. That we can become, basically, we can love more. We can be patient more. We can rid ourselves of, of ugly habits. We can put sin to death that controls us, that we were once oppressed to. And if we, reading God's Word, we allow the Holy Spirit to cultivate in us the fruits of the Spirit. Gentleness, kindness, love, joy. We can, like someone says, we can cultivate the inward grace of faith, hope, love and the fruit of the Spirit. And in return we can glorify and honour God through this, which shows that we are ready for Christ. And we will be ready. Sometimes people want to know, is sanctification all of man or all of God? It's both God and man. And a scripture verse that helps us is Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not, in, not, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. See, we've got to work out our salvation in fear and trembling so that God can work in us. And if we in the Scriptures, we align the Holy Spirit to, 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 to grow us and mature us in Christ-likeness so we can love better. And we all struggle with these things. I struggle. Mark said how he struggles. No one can say they've arrived and they can put themselves on the throne and, 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 and preach like they know everything. We live in a fallen world. And we struggle. But by God's grace we can all work together collectively as a church and, and share the one another's, love one another, share our burdens and, and, and our sins that trip us up and the things that become a hindrance so that we can help each other. Because we all want to finish our race and we all want to be ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And every Christian here this morning, we're all called to work out our salvation through, through faith in Christ Jesus. No one can say here this morning that they are growing without God's work. That is a lie. I'll read another quote from, from, from from Donald Gray Barnhouse. It is the word of God that can establish the Christian and give him strength to overcome the old forces and to live the new. Come, overcome the old man and live the new man, your new creation. So it's the Word of God that helps us overcome these things. It can never be done in any other way. You cannot find even one Christian, and I agree with him, you cannot even find one Christian on this earth who has developed into strength of wisdom and witness in the Lord, who has attained by it any other means than study, meditation in the Word of God. It's the Word of God that, that grows us and matures us. As we read it, we get to know ourselves. Colvin said that 
that the only way you can get to know God is to be in the scriptures where God has revealed himself, where God has made himself known. And the more you get to know God, you see yourself in the mirror and you realize, wow, I'm a rich sinner. I better do something about myself. And you get to know yourself. You get to see your weaknesses. You get to see your sins. And so God can start working a great work of, of transformation, of transforming you, sanctifying you more into Christ-likeness. And it's an everyday process. You go forward, you go backwards. But by God's grace we can. And don't be hard on ourselves when you stumble. Go to God and ask Him to forgive you. That's also growing and moving forward in our Christian life. But God has given us the means. He's given us the Word and the Holy Spirit. And His grace works through that. That's why in Titus He says, Grace appeared at a time to save us. But that same grace that has saved us, in Titus chapter 2, verse 11, the same grace that has saved us is also the same grace that helps us to deny ungodly things and love godly things. We need to be in the Scriptures daily. We need to be reminding ourselves of things daily. I might not find this quote. Yes, I will. C.S. Lewis says this. This is one of the reasons why we need to be in God's Word. C.S. Lewis says this. We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. Neither this belief nor any other will automatically remain alive in your mind. That's why you've got to be in the Scriptures. What you learn, you keep reminding yourself. Otherwise it falls asleep. In 2 Peter, Peter says, even though you know this truth, I'm coming to remind you of this truth. As long as I'm alive in this body, I'm going to keep reminding you of these truths. Why? Because they will eventually sleep in your mind and you will drift. But Lewis says this, it must be fed. Your mind must be fed. And as a matter of fact, if you examined a hundred people who had lost their faith in Christianity, I wonder how many of them would turn out to have been reasoned out of it by honest argument. Do not most people simply drift away? Isn't that what happens when we're not in the Scriptures? We lose our grip and we stop holding fast the Gospel of Christ doesn't require any effort to drift. If you've been on a lake or in the sea and you've been in a boat, it doesn't require any effort to drift. But to stay in one place, you've got to keep rowing and it requires effort. And it does require effort to sanctify our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And so when trials come our way, and they're going to come our way, sufferings, trials, hardships, God is using this world we're living to prepare us, to make us ready for Him. We live in a fallen world for a reason. So God can use this fallen world to sanctify us, to transform us more into Christ-likeness. And we need to, to work and know that. We need to hold fast the Gospel of Christ. So that we can sanctify our hearts and we can grow spiritually and then we can go out there and let people see our good works, our righteous deeds.
That's why sanctification is so important, because from salvation flows sanctification, and from sanctification, good works will flow. So what are these righteous deeds? Well, yes, we can say if we are sanctifying our heart, we're growing in holiness, and that's true. But what are these righteous deeds? Well, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 to 40. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, who did it to me. Our righteous deeds basically show mercy and grace, loving people and helping them in need. Like someone said, the righteous deeds of the saints mirror the mercy that Jesus showed to the weak and broken and the grace by which we were forgiven and saved. And that passage that I just read, when Jesus said, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, who did it to me. It just shows you that when we are out there and we are helping people, we're doing it in honour of Jesus. We're doing it for Him. Because He's called us to, to love. He's called us to, to love our neighbour as ourselves. That's why we need to be in the Scriptures. We need to be in the Scriptures to put off the old self and to walk away from the former manner of life with its corrupt and deceitful desires and we need to go to the Word to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and to put on the new soul, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Beautiful quote. A transformed life is the proper response to the call of the heavenly bridegroom. So let us remember this. Let us, let us remember these two truths. Because if... If we are saved, then from our salvation will follow sanctification. And sanctification will lead to righteous deeds. And when John writes and he says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we go out there, and we, and we are doing what we're called to do. We're worshipping God. We, we're honouring God. We don't just come and worship God here on a Sunday. It's important. We come together in a, as a body of believers. We come together as one in Christ. And we have fellowship together. And we build each other up in Christ. And we worship God. We sing. We pray. We hear the preaching. But worship God is also to go out there and live godly lives. And honour Him. And when we're doing that, we're doing it in a way that testifies and witnesses for Jesus. 
Because that's what it's saying there. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Which means by God's grace, we receive the spirit of prophecy. By God's grace, we receive the word. And as we make the word, we make the word known through our righteous deeds. We make Christ known. We testify about him through our good works. And it's not just always our works. People will ask us to give an account of the hope that is in us. People will ask us, tell me why you do these things. Then we can point them to God and then to Christ and to the cross. So they too can one day be saved by God and wait eagerly for His appearance and receive the invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So hopefully we, we are encouraged by these two truths in Revelation chapter 19 verses 6 to 10. The one truth was our salvation and the other truth was our righteous deeds. And if we are saved and from our salvation follow righteous deeds, then there is an invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because it was on the cross that Jesus gave himself up for her, the church. He gave himself up for us. That's amazing. Mark read that verse in, 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 in Peter. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, there on the cross, He gave Himself up for us and the church to save us, to clothe us in His righteousness, so that when He will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him, waiting to receive that invitation of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Will we be ready? Will we receive that invite to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And if you are walking humbly and faithfully and you're working out your salvation in fear and trembling and righteous deeds are flowing from your life, you will receive that invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that our life here on earth is not wasted. We should be living an eager life, a joyful life. We should be rejoicing in the fact that one day we're going to spend eternity with Jesus, who's coming soon. But as we do this, Father, help us to walk faithfully and humbly with you. Help us to not just be idle in our salvation, but help us to be active. Help us to, to know that we're saved to be doers of your word, to bear fruit, to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Help us, Father, please. Give us wisdom and strength to persevere in this fallen world. Give us wisdom to honour you. Father, forgive us when we when we are not walking in your ways. Forgive us. Be merciful to us. But thank you that you are a great God. Thank you that you've given us your word. You've given us your spirit in your word to change us so that we can eagerly wait the return of Jesus and receive the invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So Father, please help us. Let us rejoice and exult and give you all the glory as we wait for you, as we eagerly wait for you. 
so that we can be ready when Jesus returns for his bride, the church. Help us, Father. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.